Welcome to Your Catholic Corner. I'm your show host, Julie South. This Catholic prayer series is designed to help you understand the sacred prayers said inside a Catholic Mass service. If you're a cradle Catholic, you may find yourself reciting each prayer by rote, just like the times table or maybe even the periodic table. You can do it in your sleep. You almost don't even need to think about each word. You're on automatic pilot. If you're new to the faith, either you're recently confirmed or you're exploring what this faith called Catholicism is, then you probably aren't at the automatic pilot stage of prayer recitation at Mass yet. Depending on where you are in your faith journey and relationship with the Holy Spirit, Catholic prayers may still be a foreign language to you. You have no idea as to their why inside the Mass, or maybe even your heart. Today, let's look at the Nicene Creed, its origin story, its purpose, and how it can be relevant today in the 21st century. But before that, a quick word about your Catholic Corner, just in case this is your first time here. Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you've only just heard of that man called Jesus, you're new to Catholicism, or you're a cradle Catholic, my prayer is that your Catholic corner will help bring God's Word to life in your heart through insights, reflections, and practical applications that help deepen your relationship with God. Every Thursday, we'll start preparing for Mass by uncovering the richness hidden in each Sunday's Bible readings, from Old Testament prophecies to gospel parables. I invite you to join me and the parishioners of the Cathedral of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Hamilton, New Zealand, sponsors of Your Catholic Corner, so that together we can hear God's Word and echo Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, let's get back to today's show. We'll start with the creed, so you know what I'm talking about. You may recognize the words, but not realize actually what it is. Then we'll look at its context and its origin story. We'll break it down, unpack it so you can see what it's really saying, and then we'll look at its relevance today, some 2,000 years after it was first penned or chiseled into stone. We pray this prayer, usually, after the priest has given his homily. After a short silence for us to reflect on this homily, the priest will say something like, let's stand and profess our faith, at which point we all stand and pray. And the prayer goes, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation He came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now let's look at its historical context. The Nicene Creed is an important statement of belief in mainstream Christianity, which was adopted at the First Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Nicaea is a modern-day city of Iznik in Turkey. Since the original council, it's been updated or amended a couple of times. The first time was at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, so only 56 years after it was first agreed on. In Western Christianity, the Nicene Creed is often used alongside the Apostles' Creed. Overall, both creeds play a crucial role in Christian worship and state fundamental beliefs about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Neither creed is merely a recitation of abstract truths. Instead, it's a declaration of trust, of complete trust. This level of trust goes beyond just merely believing in someone's existence, but of entrusting ourselves to them. With that trust is the Hebrew concept of aman, which you may recognize as the root of the word amen. When we say amen, we're putting our stake in the ground. We're taking a stand and we're aligning ourselves with God. Every time we pray, or say the creed, we're connecting ourselves with God. We're aligning our life here in the 21st century to God. There are some words that some people get hung up about. For example, Catholic Church. In this context, it's important to understand that Catholic, with a little c, means universal, not just the Roman Catholic Church, and that's capital RCC, Roman Catholic Church. Therefore, Catholic Church, with a little c, represents the church, with a big c, as recognized by God beyond denominational lines and divisions. When we pray the creed, we're anchoring ourselves back to the apostolic teachings so that they can realign our lives, reconnect our story with Jesus's, and embrace our historical Christian identity. When we pray the creed, we're united with other Christians globally and throughout history. This gives us a sense of unity, a sense of foundation, and a sense of grounding. The Nicene Creed wasn't invented as a new belief system, but was formulated in a response to theological controversies that arose in the early centuries of Christianity. The primary purpose of the Nicene Creed was to address the Arian controversy, which centered around the nature and divinity of Jesus Christ. Arius, a Christian presbyter or an elder in Alexandria in Egypt, propagated teachings that challenged the traditional understanding of Jesus Christ. He argued that Jesus, as the Son of God, was a created being and not equal to God the Father in essence. As you can imagine, Arius's teachings gained significant influence and caused widespread divisions within the Christian community. 
To address these theological disputes and restore unity, Emperor Constantine convened the First Council of Nicaea in 325-325 AD. The council brought together bishops and leaders from various Christian communities to discuss and resolve the controversies. Here, they sought to articulate a clear and unified understanding of the relationship between God the Father and Jesus Christ. As a result, the Nicene Creed was formulated as a consensus statement of belief to combat the teachings of Arius. It emphasizes the divinity and eternal nature of Jesus Christ. It asserts he was begotten, not made consubstantial, of the same substance, with the Father. The creed aimed to reaffirm the traditional understanding of Jesus as fully divine and co-equal with God the Father. By establishing this definitive statement of belief, the Nicene Creed served as a theological foundation and a means of distinguishing orthodox Christian belief from the teachings of Arius and other dissenting views. It provided a common creed that could be used in worship and served as a unifying force for the early Christian church. Thus, the formulation of the Nicene Creed helped to settle the Arian controversy. Although, as I'm sure you can imagine, debates and variations on the creed continued in the following centuries. The creed played a crucial role in shaping Christian theology and remains an important statement of faith for many Christian denominations today. In short, the Nicene Creed declares there is one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father is the creator of all things, creator with a capital C. Jesus, as God the Son, suffered and died as a fully human being to save other human beings from sin. Jesus rose from the dead and is seated in heaven as the Son of God. God, the Holy Spirit, gives life to all things. And the Holy Spirit inspires people and shows them the will, with a capital W, the will of of God. With that as the background, now let's break it down bit by bit, almost line by line, to give it more meaning for you the next time that you pray it. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. This line affirms belief in the oneness of God, who is the Father, all-powerful, and the creator of everything, both seen and unseen. It emphasizes God's sovereignty and His creative power. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. Here, we're declaring belief in Jesus Christ as the unique and exclusive Son of God, who has eternally existed with the Father. It emphasizes His divine nature and pre-existence. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, 
not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. This point highlights Jesus' divine origin and nature, affirming that he's of the same essence as God the Father. It stresses his role as a source of divine light and his active involvement in the creation of all things. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. Here, It's about Jesus. Out of his love for humanity and with the purpose of our salvation, descended from heaven and became a man on earth. It acknowledges his miraculous incarnation through the power of the Holy Spirit and his birth as a human through the Virgin Mary. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This section refers to the historical events of Jesus' crucifixion, his death, burial, and resurrection. It underscores the sacrificial nature of Jesus' death and his victorious resurrection in accordance with the prophecies found in the scriptures in the Old Testament. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. This line asserts that Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection and is now in a position of honour and authority at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. This affirms the future expectation of Jesus' glorious return to judge all people, both the living and the dead. It emphasizes the eternal nature of his kingdom, highlighting his reign without end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. Here, we're stating our belief in the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. It acknowledges the Spirit as the Lord and the source of life. It states that the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son and affirms the Spirit's participation in worship and glorification. It also acknowledges the Spirit's role in inspiring the prophets of old. I believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. Here it is professed belief in the unity, the sanctity, the universality and the apostolic origins of the church. It acknowledges the church, capital C, the church as a united body of believers set apart and founded upon the teachings of the apostles. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This final part states belief in the sacrament of baptism as a means of receiving forgiveness of sins. It expresses anticipation for the future and resurrection of the dead and the eternal life that awaits us in the world to come. Amen. The creed concludes with an Amen, signifying agreement and affirmation.
Okay, knowing that, how can something so dusty back from 300 AD be significant and relevant today? Let's have a look. It gives us Catholics a doctrinal foundation because it's a concise summary of the fundamental beliefs of the Catholic Church. It affirms key doctrines such as the Trinity, which is the belief in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the incarnation, the resurrection, and the future judgment. It serves as a doctrinal foundation. It guides us faithful, you and me, in understanding and articulating essential tenets of our Catholic faith. It's historically significant and has stood the test of time. It emerged from the First Council of Nicaea in 325 AD and was then refined at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD. These ecumenical councils were crucial in clarifying and defending Orthodox Christian teachings against heresies particularly those related to the nature of Christ. The creed reflects the consensus of these early councils and preserves the faith handed down by the apostles. Even back then, there was such a thing as ecumenical, meaning unity and cooperation among different Christian denominations or churches. Ecumenical comes from the Greek word okumeni, which means, I hope I pronounced that right, which means the whole inhabited world. The Nicene Creed also serves as a unifying element within the Catholic Church. Catholics worldwide recite the Creed during Mass and other liturgical celebrations, affirming their shared faith, affirming our shared faith. This, in turn, brings about a sense of communion and solidarity among believers, regardless of cultural or linguistic differences. By reciting the creed together as Catholics, we reaffirm our unity in Christ and our participation in the universal church. The Nicene Creed also allows us Catholics to publicly profess our faith. When we're reciting the creed, we're openly declaring our belief in God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Church. It gives us a public and a powerful way to strengthen our personal commitment to our Catholic identity, and it serves as a public witness to others. It's also an important tool in catechesis and religious education. It serves as a concise and comprehensive summary of the Catholic faith. It provides a framework for instruction and a deeper understanding. When we know, pray and reflect on the creed, we're able to have a more deeper appreciation for our beliefs. We can enhance our spiritual journey and be a better witness to articulate our faith to others. As you've probably gathered by now, the Nicene Creed holds immense importance to the Catholic Church. It gives us a summary of essential doctrines, a historical legacy, a unifying prayer and a means to profess our faith. 
if you let it, it can guide and inspire you and us in our relationship with God and our participation in the life of the church. Now that you know this, what difference does it or can it make to our lives today? It's up to each one of us to shake off the dust of a 1,700-year-old prayer and bring it to life. Now, here are some of the ways that we can do this. One way is with a fuller participation in the Holy Mass. When it comes time to recite, to pray the Nicene Creed during Mass, do so with mindfulness, attentiveness, and intention. Instead of merely reciting the words by rote, Engage your heart and mind in your profession of faith. Be cognizant that you're joining in with the entire church in affirming these beliefs and let the creed inspire your worship. Another way is through daily prayer. Use the creed as a framework for expressing your faith and gratitude to God. You can recite the creed in its entirety or focus on specific sections that resonate with you. And a third way is through personal reflection. Take time to contemplate the meaning of the Nicene Creed and its affirmations of faith. For example, you could reflect on the concepts presented in the creed, like the Trinity, the divinity of Christ and the resurrection. Consider how these beliefs shape your understanding of God and your relationship with Him. Back when I was doing my RCIA, the Rite of Catholic Initiation for Adults, RCIA, one of the things I started to appreciate, which I was spiritually ignorant of before when I was living in the dark, was the longevity and the steadfastness of the Catholic faith. There are tens of thousands of Christian denominations in the world, but the Catholic Church is the one and only constant. After I was confirmed, I suddenly felt like I was standing on solid ground. It wasn't that I thought I was standing on wobbly ground before my confirmation, but after I noticed a difference. And for me, it's because of these ancient prayers and traditions, I'm able, because I'm Catholic, to have a much more richness and a deeper meaning in my life. I hope this has helped you get a richer understanding of one of the prayers that's important to Catholics. If praying the Nicene Creed is something you'd like to do, but without all my explanatory narrative, I've created an episode that is just the Nicene Creed for you. I'll put a link to that in the notes where you're listening to this episode. Let's pray the Nicene Creed, together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, 
true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who, with the Father and the Son, is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.